You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, Church. This morning's scripture reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 24. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bond servant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bond servant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. The Lord bless you. All right, so uh, if you are new, I'm not sure if there's anyone new in this uh, morning. Uh, but if you're new, you would have to receive a QR code on your seat. Uh, please scan it so that uh, we can get to know you. Uh, we would love to, uh, uh, to know you more as you become a part of our family here. Uh, so today, I am uh, uh, continuing our sermon series on uh, faith and work. Uh, and uh, this is going to be a topical sermon as well. Um, and so I'm wrapping it up. Only uh, two parts, quite short, right? Now, last Sunday, I said that uh, work is uh, God's idea. Uh, God works, and He has designed us to work as well. And we are commissioned by Him to continue His uh, creation process. So how we can find rest uh, in the ocean of endless uh, amount of work is in Christ rather than our to-do list. Now, today, uh, we're going to look at... um, how we relate to people as we work. Now, what are you working for? What motivates you to do what you do? Now, some of us work uh, to climb the uh, corporate ladder. Some of us work to acquire more uh, wealth and power. Some of us work to secure our financial future. Uh, Some of us uh, work to get a name for ourselves. And some of us work just to make ends meet. But is that all we're working for? Is there a greater purpose to our work? So let's take a look at the nature and purpose of uh, work as Christians. And um, if you are not yet a Christian, I pray that you will find uh, uh, the beauty of God's plan uh, for our work. So we're going to look at uh, three aspects of our work. Work as a calling, work as an act of love, 
and the work is for Jesus. Okay, the calling, acts of love, and it's for Jesus. So let's begin. Work as a calling. Okay, sorry. Work as a calling. Now, do you ever wonder that uh, whether you are at the right place in your life? You know, some people say that I didn't, I didn't envision my life to turn out like this. I don't think uh, it's supposed to be like this. And do you ever dread going to work because it seems so meaningless? And uh, do you sometimes lack a sense of uh, calling for your work? Now, this could be a result of uh, two things. Wrong fit or wrong expectations. Okay, what do I mean by wrong fit? Uh, so it is possible that uh, some of us are working in a place that really doesn't fit the way God has wired you. He has designed you with a certain, uh, certain gifting, and, uh, and that's not uh, the right place that you're working at. So the sweet spot for calling is where your talent meets a need. You have talent, and it happens to meet a need. That's a sweet spot of calling, okay? Now, years ago, when I was, I was in a manufacturing job, and there were multiple problems in the factory that happens every day. And my pager would go off, could be any time of the day. It's like a remote control in the hands of tens of people that can just buzz me into action, and then like, Whenever I am, maybe I'm eating, watching a show, I have to get into action. Uh, 24 by 7, firefighting. Now, one of my colleagues actually loved it because he says, at the end of every day, I know exactly what I have done, and he feels good about that. But for me, I much prefer to... Um, to prevent the fires from starting in the first place. I did not enjoy the act of fire, putting out fire constantly. So my friend had a good fit for his job. And I was, uh, that job was a wrong fit for me. So secondly, the reason that we don't have a sense of calling is wrong expectations. And that's because we, uh, we look for calling in the wrong way, okay? And sometimes we look for a, a, a job uh, that makes us feel good, right? So uh, when, uh, when, people, when people ask you, well, where do you work, huh? You say, oh, yeah, I work at this place. And then they look at you, so, wow, how did you end up getting a place like that? You must be very, very smart, Right? And you hear that, you feel validated. Yeah, wow, this is good. I'm at the right place. But people, we will never find God's calling by looking at ourselves because calling comes from God. In today's uh, scripture, the Apostle Paul writes about calling in a completely different way. Okay, so uh, this verse, um, the Corinthian, 1 Corinthians, Chapter 7, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Now the word call or called 
appears eight times in these eight verses in today's scripture. Now, this word call usually uh, means God calling someone into the saving faith of Jesus. It's about salvation, generally, okay? But here, Paul is using this word for people who are circumcised or not circumcised, and then uh, those who are bond servants or those who are freed. So he's not referring to that kind of calling in this context, but rather whatever station that they, God has called them. And then he repeats the principle of remaining where you are, also in verse 20 and verse 24. Wherever you are, remain there. So what does this mean? It means that though you are actively involved in choosing your path to end up at where you are today, uh, it is God who has called you to your present life station. And secondly, God has assigned you talents at this particular station so that you may serve Him. And thirdly, you have a divine purpose right here where you are in your life station. So you don't really need to change in order to find that calling. God has placed you where you are today so that you may serve Him. It is His call. So what is the uh, right expectation of calling? God has called you to your current life station. And throughout your life, you will find that you are walking the path with God into different, different life stations. You can recall, you have been to different parts before you land, land at where you are today, right? So your calling may not be uh, a startup that grows to be like uh, Grab or Apple or Amazon, something like that. Uh, it may be a very modest venture where you're working. It may be a simple dessert store at a uh, hawker center. Uh, it may be uh, working at a uh, coffee shop, making the best coffee in the neighborhood. Uh, it may be uh, just being a homemaker right now for a season. Wherever God has called you, He has also given you the ability to serve. So God equips everyone with the ability to serve the human communities just as He equips every member of His church to serve the church community. So you are able to serve in the larger community and also able to serve in the church. Those are gifting God has given to every one of us. Every church member has this gift in the church and also outside of the church. Even those who are unbelievers, they have been blessed with certain talents to serve the human community. Now in uh, Matthew 25, Jesus described simple jobs such as feeding the hungry, providing drinks to the thirsty, welcoming a stranger, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and the prisoners as services done upon him. How much more our services render every day. So God calls people into every kind of work to bless a human community, and you are part of that fabric of civilization exactly where you are. Now, can you imagine if Singapore, if every 
one in Singapore stops working altogether tomorrow. No more garbage collection. Stinky, stinky. No more electricity. No more patrol for your cars and motorcycles. No more shops, restaurants, supermarkets. No more MRT buses. No more medical care. And one more thing that would scare you, including the children among us, no more internet access. No Wi-Fi. No smartphone, tablet, computer. They don't work anymore. Besides, there's no electricity. Sooner or later, they're going to be out of, uh, out of power. Life as we know it will come to a screeching halt. Singapore will quickly descend into a wasteland. What separates civilization and wilderness is work. A lot of that is just simple work. That's what keeps the world running. So people, take heart that God has called you into your current role. Your calling is not necessarily a grandiose calling, but an everyday calling to be a blessing. A blessing in your family, blessing in your church, blessing in your community, blessing for Singapore and beyond. So secondly, work as an act of love. So okay, we know that uh, our calling is a blessing, is an everyday uh, blessing, uh, but what should guide our daily actions as we proceed our day when we work? Right? We work actually have many different stations. It can be your employment, it can be at home, it can be in school. But what should guide our motivation every day? Uh, the Bible says that sometimes we focus on the wrong things. And Paul wants to point this out uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 19. He says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keep the commandments of God. Circumcision in those days was a super important thing to the first century Jews. Okay, for us, it's like we don't really care. We don't bother about it. But to them, that was super important because it was an outward sign of the covenant with God. And it was also a badge of honor to be included in God's covenantal community. But Paul says it counts for nothing. So he's telling us, don't be sidetracked on, by things that count for nothing when we serve the Lord. Instead, let the main thing be the main thing and focus on the main thing that is keeping the commandments of the Lord. That is the charge to Christians. But which commandment? And Jesus answered this in uh, Matthew chapter 22, Verses that 20, uh, 37 and 39, I think most of you know this, right? He was asked the same question. And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is a great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the ultimate love of God for his children is expressed through the work of Jesus 
He came. He died. He rose again. And every single thing that Jesus ever did was to love his neighbor as himself. And not a single thing that Jesus did was for his own benefit. So people, if you love God, I know you do because you're here, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. And this love would permeate every part of your Christian life, including your work. So your work, therefore, is not about enriching yourself, but a love gift unto others. It's a gift that's released from you to everyone around you. And therefore, work is not self-centered, but other-centered, because it is God-centered. That is the focus of our work. It is other-centered, because it is God-centered. Now, work that is done out of love have two qualities. One is excellence. Second is costliness. So first, let me talk about excellence. Now, if you love someone, you will give them the best, right? You wouldn't give them something lousy. You want to give whatever you give them, you will give the best. And uh, so some of you may remember uh, your dating days, if you are one of those. Um, and uh, when you go and buy a gift for the one that you love, you would choose very carefully. You would think about it. You would choose the right color, the right size. And then if there are several items of, this, of the same thing that you can choose from, you examine all of them to find the one without blemish. Ah, this one is worthy of my beloved. Okay, there's a lot of thought that goes into that. And so with the same attitude, therefore, when we work, we present our output and our services the same way. We aim for excellence, not just good enough, just to get by. We aim for excellence. Now, I have to be careful that for those of us who are perfectionists among us, okay, um, don't, mean, don't always strive for perfection. Sometimes it's okay, but uh, a lot of times that's actually a trap, okay? Uh, may not be the best use of your time if you're a perfectionist. But if you're not, yes, aim for uh, perfection as much as you're possible. Some of us are just uh, aiming to just to get by, okay? For those of us in that category, aim for perfection. Secondly, love gift is costly. Uh, most husbands have learned the hard, hard lesson of giving your wife gifts that are good, and uh, sometimes that means that it's also costly. Uh, and uh, if you are still giving her cheap and lousy gifts, I will, I will need to pray for you. And uh, in the same way, uh, as you do our work out of love, uh, we are not stingy on the cost, right? Sometimes we are, we are concerned, how much, is it gonna cost, how much time will it cost me? Uh, how much energy will it cost me? We are concerned about that, so we shrink back. Instead, we should be willing to make things harder on ourselves as we serve in order to make things easier on someone else. That is the focus of love, right? It should be costly to us so that we would, we would bring the burden upon ourselves so that it may lighten the burden on someone else. Now, Charles Burden writes this, 
He says, let us be on the watch for opportunities of usefulness. Let us go about the world with our ears and eyes open, ready to avail ourselves for every occasion for doing good. Let us not be content till we are useful, but make this the main design and ambition of our lives. I think that's a wonderful way of capturing everything I've been saying about. How do we act as a love gift unto others? Do you see any opportunities then to offer yourself as a love gift? Where can you be useful to someone? Now, as a student, would you then meet the needs of your school even if that doesn't enhance your portfolio? Would you put aside your books or your cell phone at home so that you can uh, do the chores in your family to help your parents. Now, at your workplace, if you see a, a co-worker struggling, uh, she might lack knowledge, skills, and training, uh, would you then uh, put down your work, as busy as you are, to try to help her? In the course of doing that, you show her the love of Christ. Now, what happens if you have a boss that is not so good? Do you complain behind his back? Do you wish that he will fail so that a new boss will come? Or maybe that you might even be promoted to become the, the, the next boss? Or would you pray for him, cover his weakness, and serve him? And would you be the peacemaker among your team so that him and the disgruntled group, group of colleagues can get along better. And in so doing, show him and your colleagues the love of Christ. Now, some of us are uh, doing stuff that is really costly, doing the heaviest lifting every day. And those are the ones that are, like, for instance, involving caring for the sick and elderly at home. Uh, family members that uh, requires cares 24 by 7. I tell you, man, that is hard work because there is no break. Some people have been doing that for quite some time and uh, they, can, uh, they hardly get any break. The cost is it costly financially, emotionally, and physically. And we have some of uh, older folks in, uh, in the Pekio community as well. As Pastor Nan mentioned earlier, there are opportunities for us to serve them. And if you have an interest, please contact one of the church staff and make it known so that together we can serve not only the old and elderly, uh, the weak in our, in our own family, but also in, uh, in our community. We can be useful for them. There are opportunities. Another cost, costly kind of work is uh, caring for vulnerable children, okay? And, uh, and they, uh, they come from different walks of life. They end up in your family, and they have uh, trauma that they have suffered. They have emotional needs. They have uh, physical needs that need to be overcome. Uh, it, is, uh, it is quite challenging as well, okay? And Joyce and I uh, really appreciate the loving support from from many of you that have rendered upon us because it's very hard to do it alone. But we feel very well supported with so many people in the church. So church, would you pray 
for God to give you the years and eyes to see where you can be useful for someone else in need. And let that be your act of love. Then you will find meaning and purpose when you become God's hand and feet for His work of creation and restoration wherever you are. And thirdly, work is for Jesus. As we get towards the end of today's scripture, Paul writes in verse 23, you were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of man. So what Paul is saying to the Christians is that you are not your own. Once you were dead in trespasses and sin, once you were children of wrath, but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7, he says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he, he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How wonderful is that? Therefore, people, do not be bondservants of man, but bondservants of Christ. Jesus is our ultimate boss. And this should be the happiest thought, actually, because you may have an earthly boss from hell, but you have a perfect boss from heaven. And this boss is greater than all your bosses on earth. Hmm, you can say, hmm, I don't care about you. My boss is the real boss, he is Jesus. No, actually, you should pray for your earthly bosses. Now, three things changes when Jesus is our boss. It changes our priority. It changes the way we uh, manage our life. And also it changes how we find happiness. First, priority. Business priorities usually centers around profit, productivity, and speed. People generally become expandable. When profit is down, often businesses will resort to retrenchment in order to reduce cost. But if you work for Jesus, loving people moves up to the top of the priority, not the bottom, not second, not even second or third, the top. So retrenchment then would not be the first choice. And the bosses, if you're a Christian, would take pay cut along with the pay cut of all your employees. Maybe you would take more pay cut than your employees. Maybe you will sacrifice more than your workers. And then if you really, really have no choice but to retrench, then you would remember the impact on every individual as a human being, loved by God, with families. And you would do so with compassion. Give them the retrenchment package that they deserve. And you might choose a timing that is not around Christmas, or, or New Year when people are celebrating. But by this, I'm not suggesting that you should not let go of those, 
uh, that are not just uh, underperforming, okay? They're simply not suited for the job. And when that happens, obviously it's good to let them go uh, for the morale of the rest of the team and for that person as well so that they may find a better fit elsewhere. Secondly, when Jesus is your, bo- is your boss, your view on life becomes holistic. Our earthly bosses have authority over only our employment. But Jesus has authority over all aspects of our life. That means, in addition to your place of employment, we are accountable to Him, to our families, accountable to Him uh, for church and community. So therefore, your life cannot be just about one thing. It cannot be about work. It cannot be about just about children. And uh, it has to be everything that we do unto the Lord. Now, I have a friend in this church, and some of you might know him. I won't name him, though. Uh, he used to put all his energy into, his, into pursuing his career. So much so, he was doing that at the expense of his own health and also his family. But by God's grace, uh, he was redirected back to a holistic path. He almost destroyed his health. He almost destroyed his family. But today, uh, his health and his family has been restored by the grace of God because he knows that Jesus is his boss, not his earthly boss. And one uh, one time, I think he he shared with us that he actually had another opportunity for a very big promotion. He prayed and thought about it, and he uh, ended up declining that because he recognized that uh, it would have thrown his life off balance once again. So church, aim for a holistic life. Do not pursue your career at the expense of church, family, and health. For those of you who have babies, uh, do not pursue, put all your energy into raising your baby at the expense of family, church, and spiritual life as well. Even marriage, right? For a season, sometimes you really have to do the hard work and just give up on sleep and all of that, but just let that be a season and don't let that become a pattern of your life. And finally, when Jesus is your boss, He is also your source of happiness. Now, many people make the mistake of trying to find happiness from our work. Granted, work can be satisfying because God does not intend to make work so unbearable that we will suffer every time. Uh, he does make it uh, meaningful for many of us. And, but to pin our happiness on our career uh, is futile. And uh, so when that happens, then the work becomes your your, your master, you become a slave, bondservant to it, right? Because then, then you will be looking for uh, performance uh, appraisals, exceptional performance appraisals, uh, accolades from your peers and your bosses, and then uh, all, the, uh, all the certificates and, uh, and awards that you can get from your work. You become a slave, right? That dependence 
is enslaving, not freeing. It will rob you of the freedom and joy of serving God. But when we depend on Jesus for our happiness, we love Him and we love people. And Jesus tells us that among all the things that we need to live, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all others will be added to us. And that includes our happiness. And Jonathan Edwards writes about this counterintuitive way of finding happiness. Okay, hang on. I back up. Okay, here it is. If you are selfish and make yourself and your own private interest your idol, God will leave you to yourself and let you promote your own interests as well as you can. But if you do not selfishly seek your own, but to seek the things that are Jesus Christ and the things that your fellow human beings, and God will make your interest and happiness His own charge. And He is infinitely more able to provide for and promote it than you are. The resources of the universe move at His bidding, and He can easily command them all to subserve your welfare, so that not to seek your own in the selfish sense is the best way of seeking your own in a better sense. It is the directest course you can take to secure your highest happiness. So people, as you work to serve our great boss, Jesus Christ, and release everything that we have onto Him, you will actually find happiness. So whatever you work that you are engaged in, remember who we are working for and why you're doing it. Jesus is the perfect boss all of us dream to have because He is not tyrannical, he is not a power grabber. He does not use people for his own glory. He loves us not as a function of our task list and our achievement. He guides us with wisdom and, 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 and patience. He gives us second chance, third chance, and, and, uh, and many more chances when we fail. He never retrenches us and fires us. And he does not expect us to give ourselves to our work. Instead, he gives Himself through His finished work on the cross to us. So people, would you give yourself to Him all aspects of your life? Would you answer His calling in your everyday work? Would you turn your work as a love gift upon people and a worship upon Jesus? Because as you do that, he promises happiness as you serve Him. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.